the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back, everybody. This is Ed Carlson, and you're listening to SoCal Live here on KKLA. And uh, we want to welcome you that listening all over Southern California. There's those that are listening all over the nation uh, through iHeartRadio. Maybe you're listening through the app. Uh, but it is a pleasure and a privilege to be with you today. I'll be with you tomorrow as well. And uh, we hope that you feel encouraged. We had a great first hour with Christina Bennett as we talked about the upcoming uh, case out of Mississippi that is going to be hitting the courts uh, in June. And what a tremendous, and I, I want to say again, for those of you that did not listen uh, or could not listen maybe in the first hour, give Live Action a follow. Live Action is a, a great organization, one of the leading, the global leader, really, uh, nonprofits out there in the pro-life movement. And so they do a great job. But um, uh, we want to hear from you. We had some great calls in the uh, in the first hour. We want to want to definitely hear from you. And I'm going to give you that number right now. Uh, we want you to be a part of the show at SoCal Live, which means that you can call in right now and be on the radio. Uh, we're going to be have a great guest coming up right now and, and a great topic. But you can give us a call at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. If you don't want to be on the radio, you could also shoot us an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. And uh, you can just shoot a question. Uh, you can uh, shoot a comment, and we will, as soon as we get that, our great group in the back back there, uh, Wilbert and his crew does a great job, gets us all the information we need, and uh, we'll put that on the air. I want to hear from you on this, uh, Southern California, wherever you are, whether you're all the way up to Calabasas, maybe all the way up down to San Diego, down to third of Mexico. Uh, how has the pandemic, or how has since 2020, I'll put it that way, how has it changed how you live your life, and how has it changed specifically how you do church, not, not, not initially, but now sitting here at 2022, we're in January going into February of 2022. How has life, church life, your Christian life, all of it, how has that changed? And I want you to be thinking about it. And I want you, want you to call in because we want to hear from you, but I want to jump into this topic. Uh, and that is a topic of the church. And more specifically, uh, what does it look like moving forward? And what are some trends, both good and, and, and not so good, that have taken place uh, since 2020? Um, I, I'll say this, it, you know, I do radio, but I also uh, pastor a church. It has, there has never been a more unique two years in the last 24 years of doing ministry ever. It has been, for lack of a better term, sometimes a word that I can just come up with is just weird. It's just weird. And, uh, and some of it good and some of it bad. But what we can say, it has changed the ball game. And I think there's some positive stuff, but I th- also think there's some negative things. And we're going to talk about those. Uh, Carrie Nywoff uh, wrote an interesting uh, piece about this called Eight Disruptive Church Trends. Uh, and this was back uh, about, he wrote this in 2020 in regards to 2021. So 21 just passed. He wrote this back in, I think, December, November of 2020. Um, And so it's kind of interesting to look back on that. And he says, in all likelihood, this year, talking about 2021, will lead the church into the post-pandemic world. It won't be the light switch that you hope for, and, and, and then all of a sudden, suddenly we're back. Instead, it will be a gradual emergence into whatever our normalized future looks like. But at some point, this is him talking still, in 2021, you'll look back and realize most of the pandemic is behind you and the future is ahead of you. The question is, 
what kind of new reality will emerge? And for church leaders, it will be a different world for sure. Uh, and <laughs> that's a good word, different. Uh, that's what we say when we don't want to say mean stuff. We say it's different. Uh, and he gave eight disruptive church trends that uh, were very eye-opening, and we don't have time to, to go into those right now. But I, one of them I do want to mention, because I, we're going to talk about it, that I've seen that is a big concern of mine, and that is this. The majority of attenders may lo- no longer be in the room. Um, there's some good parts to that. There's also some negative parts to that. We're going to talk about that. Um, but I want to bring a friend of mine on uh, into this conversation because he has written and spoken uh, on this topic at length and, and, and been talking about church stuff and church trends and um, future church stuff for a while. Carl Vader's uh, is the author of four books, uh, The Church Recovery Guide, uh, How Your Congregation Can Adapt and Thrive After Crisis. <laughs> we need that. So, if, hey, pastors, if you're listening right now, we'll talk more about that at the back end, but you need to get your hands on that. Uh, 100 Days to a Healthier Church, which is a step-by-step guide for pastors and leadership teams. Uh, Small Church Essentials, which is field-tested principles for leading a healthy congregation of under 250. Uh, the Grasshopper Myth, Big Churches, which is his first book, Big Churches, Small Churches, and the Small Thinking that Divides Us. Great book. Read it myself. But Carl's been in pastoral ministry for 40 years. He is a teaching pastor of Cornerstone Christian Fellowship, a healthy small church in Orange County, California, where he has ministered for over 28 years with his wife, Shelley. They have three kids and two grandkids. Uh, Carl produces resources for helping small churches thrive at carlvaders.com. Uh, he's also done a lot of writing uh, for different editorials and different uh, magazines out there. And his heart is to help pastors of small churches, up to 90% of us, uh, find the resources to lead well and to capitalize on the unique advantages that come with pastoring a small church. He also believes that big and small churches can and should work together more often to the benefit and blessing of everyone. Well, Carl, welcome to the show. Hey, good to be with you, Ed. Yeah, man, I, I you beat the traffic. You're able to get down here barely. We just barely got you in. I know it was one of those. You, you've got to rush off to do this. I've got to rush off to do that. We we sat down just in time and saw the seconds ticking away. So breathe, Ed. Yeah, breathe. yeah. It was a quick one. I, you guys <laughs> see those that are listening don't see really what's happening behind the radio, and it's no. sometimes it is just people running around like crazy. And that's what was happening between the first and second hour. Uh, but let, let's first talk about, let me give us your story really quick, Carl. Uh, Cause I think that's important. What, what is your story? What brought you to the point? And we'll get into the church trends that we've been seeing and future church stuff, but uh, let's talk about you a little bit because I want people to recognize the work that you do and, and how you got there and why you got there and, and what that looks like right now. So give us a, a short little snapshot of that. Sure. Yeah. I'm a third generation pastor. Uh, I came into pastoral ministry in the early 80s. And just about five years after I got into it was when the church growth stuff hit. And I looked around and went, wait a minute, I got to catch up because I wasn't taught any of this. And I consumed it and I uh, I implemented it as best I could. Uh, with limited results, let's say that, mixed results, limited results. I've been pastoring now in uh, Fountain Valley, which is where uh, you and I know each other from. I've been there for 29 years, uh, 25 as a lead pastor, the last four years as the teaching pastor. Um, we, we never had the kind of explosive growth that the church growth books and conferences seemed to promise. And I use the word seemed because yeah. some of it was my misreading and misunderstanding of it. Sure. The promises weren't necessarily there, but it didn't, it didn't come about. We, we got to a place where our church was very, very healthy, as you know, because you were a part of mm-hmm. it for a long time, c- continues to remain healthy, still is not a big church. It's yeah. still a small church. And uh, I got to the point where I almost left ministry because the numbers weren't coming in. People told me, if your church is healthy, it will get bigger. It wasn't getting bigger. It must not be healthy. 
I thought maybe I'm misperceiving it because the church appears to be healthy. And so I then had to start researching and finding information for myself of what does it look like to be a healthy small church? How are small churches pastored differently than big churches? Not necessarily on the numerical growth track, but on the health track. And uh, so it's, it's kind of opened up a whole new venue of understanding and teaching and experience for me. And now I get to share it with others all over the place. Yeah, and it, he does. I want to encourage all of you guys to go to carlvaders.com and uh, he speaks all over the world, really, um, uh, doing different conferences and, and great leadership stuff. And so pastors out there, uh, get a hold of them. Uh, if you're sitting there, like many pastors, uh, just struggling or just trying to figure it out, and especially as we're going to talk about this post-pandemic kind of world as we uh, – Everybody's just uh, trying to figure out what what is next. What's next? Um, he's gonna he could be a huge help. Uh, you know what's interesting about and I'm gonna bring this up because I, I'm gonna circle back around it probably in our second or third segment. The the history it seems of at least the Western Church was this right um, 60s and 70s like uh, wild you know our, our, our country is wild and there's there's a purpose behind this kind of timeline. If we remember, I remember 80s was a, a time of great revival per se i mean some good some bad but there was this revival thing tons of uh, catholics coming to christianity many of those catholics coming to pentecostalism yeah. uh, through that time uh and then in the 90s we kind of got to this place uh, uh where we began to what i call um i don't want to say institutionalize that's the wrong word but begin to corporatize if that's a word uh the church a little bit and and i think some of them are great some principles business principles uh some structure around just kind of the willy-nilly kind of do church and you know the the common pentecostal thing would be led by the spirit which for many churches meant like we don't know what we're doing we're just going to kind of flow see what happens and so which was good and kind of led into the 2000s but but i think now we have now gotten rolling up into 2020 we're in this very unique time in our culture where i wonder if how we have done church has been our worst nightmare. It's turned into our worst nightmare. And I want to get your thoughts on that. We'll talk more about it second and third segment, but yeah. I, I, that's kind of the, the, cause I, I have actually a good reason to believe that we may be turning a corner a little bit yeah. on some possibilities of seeing God do some incredible things in this nation, which just sounds crazy yeah. to most people, but what's your thoughts? No, I, I agree. We, we go through eras just like culture goes through eras. The church goes through eras. And during the 50s, 60s, 70s was a real era of growth. Uh, a lot more churches being planted. The churches that did exist were growing. And then we hit the 80s where a kind of a shift occurred. That was when I started hearing all the church growth books. And then in the 90s and 2000s, um, church growth was the thing that was taught to church yeah. leaders. I mean, if it was a conference, it was called a church growth conference. It wasn't called anything else. Yep. But during that season, Christians actually decreased as a percentage of the population in North America while all these church growth conferences are happening. So all these churches are getting bigger and bigger. In the 70s, when I was a kid, you could go to any large American city and it was hard to find a church of over a thousand. Even in a well-churched large American city, churches of over a thousand were really, really rare. Now you go to any large well-churched American city and you'll find churches of in the thousands, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000. So what happened wasn't really church growth because for me, church growth is when Christians are increasing as a percentage of the overall population. Yeah, yeah. What was happening was consolidation. We mm -hmm. were gathering into larger and larger groups. And then we were asking the pastors of the churches where the larger groups were gathering, how did you do that? <laughs> 
right? And uh, and, and uh, some of the studies that have been done since then have shown that really it wasn't uh, first con- first time conversions for the most part. It was transfer growth. It was transfer growth. It was, sometimes yeah. it was people moving to the suburbs or from one church to another or whatever. And this is not a uh, a criticism of that. Sometimes we just like to gather in larger groups. Uh, You take a look around the industrialization of the country. We've got bigger stadiums. We've got bigger theaters. We've got bigger restaurants. We've got bigger everything. And bigger churches were a part of that. Yeah, yeah. For those of you just tuning in, this is Ed Carlson. You're listening to SoCal Live here on 99.5 KKLA. And we're discussing the post-pandemic church and, and really the future church and what it looks like and what could be coming for the church moving forward. And we want to hear from you. I am interested to hear, and, and we have Carl Vader's with us today, and we're both interested to hear, what does church look like for you now? We're sitting here in 2022. What does church look like for, for you right now? And, and what are some of your concerns? What are some good things that you're seeing? What are some not-so-good things? And, and more specifically, where are you at? Where are you at with church attendance? Where are you at with church in general? All that good stuff. So give us a call, 888 52 Talks. That's 888-528-2557. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you have a question or comment, we'd love to do that. Or you can give us, uh, shoot us an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. That's SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Uh, here is some, Carl, some, some positives. Let's uh, talk some positive that has happened, I think. And this will kind of bleed over into our second segment. But uh, two things. Well, let's go to one first. It, I think what happened, uh, a good thing that came out of the pandemic was this, is the creative ways to reach people. Uh, all of a sudden, we were forced yeah, to creatively figure out a way to reach people because they weren't coming to our building. Yep. Talk about that. It's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it happened with us. Uh, churches have been going more and more online the last few years. And for the last couple of years, I've been talking with the staff about we need to get live streaming again. And we knew we needed to, but it didn't have urgency. Yeah. And then from one Sunday to the next, I think it was a Tuesday or a Wednesday, the governor closed every public building in the in, in the state. And I don't see that as an attack on churches because he closed restaurants and bars and yeah. theaters and everything <laughs> else. Time, too. Yeah, at that time, he closed everything. Yeah, yeah. everything closed. Yeah. And so from like Tuesday till Sunday, we had like four or five days to figure out how to shoot a service when we couldn't get gather together. Uh, how to upload it, where to upload it, how to tell people how to find it and figure out how to do that. We had like four days to do no. what we'd been delaying doing for a couple of years. It happened so quick. I remember our first one, it was a, a, a iPhone, which so yep. iPhones nowadays are great, mm-hmm. but it literally an iPhone in our in a home. Yep. Because it happened so quick. And churches all over the, the country and all over the world had to do that. And we, we, we had to do that. And then, then we got to the point where we had to figure out, okay, now now what do we do with that? So as, as a guy who works with small churches a lot, I got tons of questions like, how do I how do I do this? How do I even hold my cell phone? And so I made even how-to videos about how to make sure you put it on a tripod and just have somebody hold it there so that it's shaky. Those kinds of very simple things. But it forced us to do things that we knew we should have been doing for a while. And now the... Everybody who's going to be online is now online. Yeah. yeah if, you're gonna, not, if you're not online, you've made the choice that you just don't want to do it. Yeah, we're going to talk about that because I think that's a, yeah. one of the negatives that we're going to talk about in the second segment. The other one, too, that I thought is is the realization for many that the church is not a building. Yeah. You know, I, I think that – I think we all knew that. You know, I mean, we knew that, but I'm talking about just the, the, a parishioner. Um, they read it, read in the Bible. Yeah, yeah, no, we get it. But they all of a sudden they were forced again to understand, wow. The, the church still goes on, even if we don't have a building that we can go to, yep. which is great. I think it's a great thing. It is a great. It, and there was a huge difference between churches that were too married to their buildings, mm. who actually have really struggled, and some of which have closed, 
and others like ours that realized we had to pivot. Our church didn't close for a second. Our building was closed for months, but our church never closed for a second. We became more the church yeah. when we couldn't meet in the building yeah. because we had to think, we had to be creative, we had to reach out to each other. So the church never stops when our buildings are closed, or at least it shouldn't. And if your church does stop because the building was closed, there's more issues going on than the pandemic. Yeah, no, I agree. One of the things, too, that I thought on a personal level um, that I think was a good thing when the when the pandemic hit, and, and I, I want to hear from you folks. Like, what is what is your church doing? You know, if you go to a church here in Southern California, what is your church doing right now, or what did it do? What did it do, and what is it doing even now, sitting here in January twenty twenty two? Are you are you doing church in person? Give us a call at eight 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 fifty two talks and let us know uh, what your church is doing. But one of the things that happened, Carl, that even for myself, when this thing hit in, in uh, twenty twenty, very beginning of twenty twenty. It caused the majority of everybody really to stop and reprioritize their life. Yep. Stop and reprioritize your life. And so one of the things that I, even myself, this is my uh, unashamed confession. You know, one of the big things for me was on Sundays, right, to come home and watch football, right? And all of a sudden, that stuff didn't matter. Yeah. And it doesn't matter, really. I mean, I say it's a bunch of probably, you know, tens of thousands of football fans that are probably listening, got the Rams playing this Sunday. <laughs> but the reality is, folks, listen, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Um, but it didn't. And I literally, I stopped watching football. I stopped. I mean, they stopped for a while, too, but they got going pretty quick, much faster than everybody else. But all those things, the you know, TV even, and all that, all of a sudden you're going, whoa. And that's a good thing. Yeah. It's the thing that we as pastors have been trying to push to our people forever. Like, let's prioritize our life and see what's important. Yeah. yeah. Well, and at the same time, you had a handful of people who were doubling down on the things that really weren't all that important. So now you've got these little provincial arguments that are happening all over the place, whether it's over politics or minor points of theology. And and now we've never been at a more at a more uh, divisive time in my lifetime. I'm 62 years old. There's never been a more divisive time in our culture than the last two years. Mm, and we're yeah. fighting over stuff that we never thought we'd fight over because, of course, we never thought we'd have to deal with it. But those that are doing well and moving forward and who are having a positive impact on their communities and who are living healthy lives emotionally, spiritually, and physically are the ones who are doing exactly what you said, which is they're recognizing the priorities and they're going, you know, this stuff that we thought mattered doesn't really matter. And I think it's part of the thing we need to build on as we move forward. Yeah. I think I'm going to tell you what really mattered. What we found out really mattered was toilet paper. <laughs> toilet paper matters. And I am going to preach that to the hilltop, man. <laughs> Listen, toilet paper, mm -hmm. soap, and Lysol really yeah. matters. Um, uh, one of the things, too, that I think that was a positive uh, was the um, – the upgrades in tech for even small churches, like yes. they had to do it. And that's a positive, right? They, they had to, it's kind of going back to, you know, uh, different ways to reach people, but there was an upgrade in tech, even at churches that maybe still don't even know how to use it fully. Yeah. Uh, but, but it kind of bumped them up a couple decades. Well, imagine if this pandemic had happened 20 or even 10 years ago oh. when, when online video conferencing was not readily available for virtually nothing because we have the device already. Ten years ago, you would have had to pay a ton of money just to be uh, live streaming. And now it was just simply a matter of will. Right now, it's just a matter of will. It's not a matter of money anymore. It's yeah. not a matter yeah. of expertise. It's a matter of will. It is so cheap and so simple now. Ten years ago, it wasn't. Today, it is. Yeah. Uh, we've got about, about a minute left before the break. Any other positive things that we saw, in your opinion, from the pandemic and 
kind of church-wise and maybe even individual Christian-wise? Well, anything else that kind of sticks out to your mind? Yeah, I mean, from my, own, from my own experience, we sat down and we realized as a church staff, we're going to need to reach people out to people. We discovered that our cell phones are still phones. <laughs> we, we, yeah. we, we actually just said we're going to do old-fashioned phone calls, especially to our seniors, oh, and yeah. reach out and say hi. So and and when, when we're going to go analog as much as we can, pick up food for other people. Mm. Let's, I'm going to the store. Can I get something for you and bring it back? Those kinds of personal touches mattered more during pandemic, and the value of them will increase as we go forward. The more we do electronic, the more analog will matter. Yeah, that's huge. We started doing the same things, right? I mean, it, it, which was beautiful. Yeah. We forget about those things when everything's going well and, and there's no problems in the world and, you know, you can get your toilet paper and you can, you know, you're not afraid to get some deadly disease. Uh, everything, well, it's just biblical, right? You even see God's yeah. people did that. When everything was going good, they just, they walked away from the Lord. They walked away from the things that really mattered. And then they got more serious when things, and I, I hope that we, as a people of God and as churches, stick with that. I really do. That's my prayer. Please, I want us to stick with that, that that felt need stuff of being able to pick up a phone and call somebody as opposed to sending them a note or an email. We yeah. can still do that. Those things are good. They have their po- purpose. But let's give people a call. Let's let them know. Or, or let's go see them face-to-face, even if that means you know, doing that. Well, we got a break that's coming up right now, and we do see you, Alyssa, from Camarillo. We're going to get your call right after the break. Just hold with us for a few minutes, and we'll get you the first thing into our second break. But we got a lot to talk about, folks. Um, we want to hear from you. Uh, 888-52-TALKS. That's 888-52-TALKS. Or email us at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. That's SoCalLive at KKLA.com. We want to hear from you. What is your church doing right now, uh, church-wise? Uh, and what are some struggles that maybe you've had as well in, in this world that we live in right now, especially when it comes to going to church or not going to church or we want to hear from you so give us a call again 888-52-TALKS that's 888-528-2557 and uh, we got a lot so hold with us we'll be right back after the break as your Thursday edition of SoCal Live continues welcome back everybody this is Ed Carlson, and you're listening to SoCal Live here on KKLA. And I'm joined by my friend Carl Vaders as we talk about the church, the effects of the pandemic on the church, and what the church is looking like at the moment, and also what does the future church look like. I interesting article uh, that I, I got a hold of today is uh, the question, will COVID-19 ever go away? And most Americans think no. Um, and that was just put out yesterday, posted on January uh, 27 by the Associated Press. Um, and it talks about this concept that most Americans feel like, you know what, I don't know if it's anything's ever going to go away. I don't know if I necessarily believe that, but um, they just feel like they're going to be stuck with it forever on some level. And, and that, it says, poll shows that 59% of Americans think it's essential um, um, that they continue to protect themselves against, you know, the uh, thing. And, and that all of them, that 59% has also changed uh, the way that they do life and will continue to do so. Um, and so, so we're not getting away from this thing uh, anytime soon. But uh, before we go back to Carl, I wanted to get uh, uh, we got a couple calls on the line. Alyssa from Camarillo, are you there? Yes, I'm here. All right, tell us a little bit about uh, what's happening uh, at your church. And, and well, first of all, what church okay. do you go to, if you don't mind us asking? Um, sure. Yeah, I hope it doesn't reflect. I, it should be okay. I won't say anything too personal. Uh, yeah. uh, Community Presbyterian Church. Ventura. Awesome, awesome. All the way in Ventura. Good, good, good. So tell what what have you guys been doing? Uh, yeah, so right now we have uh, in-person services 
have what we have the uh, privilege of having a good outdoor space. So we have one service outdoors and one indoors. So for those who are uh, less comfortable meeting indoors, we can they can still come and be in person. And uh, we also do live streaming for the indoor service. So we've been um, doing some kind of online thing since March 2020, but it's kind of evolved, um, gotten a little bit better as we went along because it was um, <laughs> pretty low-tech at first, and it wasn't live-streamed at first. It was recording and stuff. So anyway, that's, It was rough that's for all of us. Interesting. <laughs> what? It was rough for all of us, so that's not anything abnormal for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, Alyssa, real so quick before we, we've had a lot of, go ahead. Yeah, before you get off the phone here, I'm just curious if you don't mind uh, me asking. Uh, f- uh, attendance numbers since you've been back were they are they worse or better than pre-pandemic levels? You know, I don't know compared to pre-pandemic. I do. I have heard that we're growing a little bit, at least, in attendance. But um, we've, we had some staff uh, changes, and including right now we have a transitional pastor who's very good, and he's um, helping us work through things to become a healthier church. Awesome. I guess so that I was really interested by this segment. I, didn't, I haven't heard much of it, but the part about how growth doesn't necessarily equal um, being a healthy church. And so anyway, yeah, I'm sure we have something to learn from you. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thanks so much, Alyssa, for uh, listening in, and uh, we appreciate the call. Real quick, I'm going to go to uh, Chino, and uh, I want to make sure I get this name right. Is it Jossum? Uh, uh, what is the name? I mean, I want to make it's sure I get Joe Sam. Joe Sam. Okay, good. All right. I should have just pronounced it the way that it looks. Joe Sam. Uh, oh, hey, wait everybody from... chops it. Everybody chops it up. <laughs> well, I want to get it right because your name is important. Uh, d- give us your thoughts. You called any? See here that uh, you feel like church has become a business. Yeah, it's become more of a business plan. We were we were going to a church in uh, uh, Temecula, and it's, it it just kind of became a business plan. Some stuff. I'm always on the road, and uh, but we watch online uh, Maranatha and Pastor Ray just passed away recently. It, it, it's 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 most churches that we've been and tried. It's like this business plan of announcement, worship, message, thirty minutes, and worship, and then okay, go home and, and see you next Sunday. And it and it seems like the church should be a few people gathering together, and then teaching each other, discipling each other, and then moving on and growing and growing in that way instead of having these huge mega churches. People are just showing up and, and not really spreading the love like we're supposed to be. Yeah. Joe Sam, that was a great, and, and I, I want to encourage you to listen to the rest of this hour because actually you kind of segue perfectly, and I don't know Joe Sam, so he didn't really, he doesn't know what we're talking about today, but we're going to actually segue Joe Sam into that conversation about um, kind of we, we have become a business um and and some of it good, but a lot of it not. And and I believe, well, let, let me do this, Joe Sam. Just l- listen to us. Thank you for the call so much, and uh, we appreciate your call and, and uh, blessings to you. Uh, make sure you listen to the rest of the show because I think some of the things that you're you know concerned about, we're actually going to be talking about. Carl, uh, we talked about some good things that have happened within the church uh, because of what happened over the last year. 
Um, and I know our list is not exhaustive, folks. We, we could sit here and talk about tons of things, but we only have an hour, uh, which we're already halfway through. Uh, but I want to talk about some some I would call negative trends um, that we're seeing, and uh, and one is this: the att- that attendance, generally speaking, has not recovered in most churches. Uh, I've got stories. I'm not going to give names. It doesn't matter. Churches, uh, good friends of mine that were 2,500 that are now 1,500, and and now yeah. people are going, man, 1,500 member church would be great. Well, understand it was a 2,500 member church. Uh, and, and so they had the buildings, the staff, the personnel, the, all that stuff for 2,500. Now all of a sudden, you take away a thousand people. Things look different. Yeah. So, so have you seen that as well? In, in yeah, expensive? and I've seen a lot of twenty-five member churches that are now fifteen-member churches. So, yeah, so yeah, 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 exactly. Drop a couple zeros, and it's exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm, I'm convinced that this is actually the continuation of trends that were already in place. Mm. Uh, Twenty years ago, if you were a a very well committed regular member of a church, you typically went three times a week. Uh, as of 10 years ago, if you were a fully committed member of a church, you went three times a month. Before pandemic, that was down to two times a month. And that's not the occasional attendance. That is the fully committed, regular attending well, they, member. They consider themselves yeah, yeah. fully committed. And they're there. They're tithing there. Yeah, they're yeah. working there. They're serving there. They've gone from three times a month down to three times a week to two times a month in the last 20 years. So the pandemic accelerated that. It's, it's, it's Newton's, is Newton's first law of motion, I believe it is. An object at rest stays at rest. An object at motion stays at motion until acted upon by an outside force. Mm-hmm. So I think what's happened is you've had a lot of people who were in, un, under, into the motion of going to church. And the pandemic was the outside force that acted upon them to stop that motion. Yeah. yeah. And now they've stopped and they're not going to get back into motion if they're a semi-committed member or simply have been going culturally or traditionally or because it's been their family. If the only reason they were going was because it was their habit, now their new habit is to not go, and yeah. it's going to require a, a stronger force to get them back than it took to get them to stop. What I'm seeing and in, in, in reading um, is, let's take our churches, right? So you you have the person that, you know, when we first had this, all of a sudden your, your online presence just was shot through the roof. Yep. You're like, wow, man, look at that. I had a 500 views uh, for our live stream. That's incredible. We're reaching 500 people, which that's another conversation for another day because it really doesn't necessarily always mean that. No. But um, but what it, what I have seen is that the folks that were, not all of them, but generally speaking, even those that were pre-pandemic three or four time attenders right. now or less, online numbers have drastically come down, yep. drastically compared to what they were even a year ago. Sometimes so much so that you're like... I mean, it's worth it, but you're going. We still have, and we still need to do it because it's opened up a new area of ministry for all of us. But you sometimes you look at it and go, "Whoa!" Right? Like cr- crickets. Mm-hmm. So where? Are, so it has seemed like those that watched it initially and stayed away, maybe right. they're afraid to come. Still, maybe they just weren't comfortable yet, or they liked it. Now they're not necessarily even watching either. So now even the two, three time a month watcher is watching maybe one time a month, right? If none. Is that is that what you're seeing as well? And I mean, I- yeah, yeah. The, the the initial rush to go online because we had to go online that has really dropped off. And part of it is, I mean, I watched online for a while. Yeah. My, my own church services, and you know, we'd get there and we'd go, you know, sing along at home. I didn't sing along. No, at no, home. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, you get up on your couch and raising your hands, and it just felt weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and now when I'm traveling, and I'm gone for a Sunday. You know, I'll admit it here. I fast forward through the worship until I get to the sermon because <laughs> it just feels weird to watch the worship at home. I love the worship in the room. Sure. When I'm in the room, yeah. it is one of my favorite.
favorite parts of the service to worship God yep. together in the same room. But watching it online is just simply not the same experience. No. So most people are, 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 are going through it or they'll go to five or six different places, listen to bits and pieces of five or six different sermons and maybe settle on one or two that are their favorites to go to. And that it's good that they can do that, but let's not pretend that that is anywhere close to being fully involved and fully engaged yep. and fully attending a church in person. It's it, not the same thing. It's not, and you hit it right on the head, and that's one of the things I'm definitely we're going to talk about, too, again in the third segment. Like, But it, you're right. It, we have gotten into this, which is a negative trend, that thinking that that's church. Right. It's not church. I mean, it, it, listen, back in the day, we had shut-ins. Right, uh, we still folks, do. We, yeah, we still. You're right, Carl. Yeah, what do we get rid of shut-ins? So, uh, we do. You're right. We still have shut-ins, but back in the day, the shut-ins there was like there was more concentrated ministry towards them. Right, we would right. go and give them meals, or we would go and do communion with them, or whatever. That was part when I grew up in ministry. Right, that was part of the edge job because nobody wanted to do it. Right, all right, let's send Ed and do his you know weekly thing with the shut-ins. Um, so in no sense, sense I get, like if you can't come to church because you're Absolutely. not healthy or you're unable completely, handicapped, whatever the case may be, you just can't, you're bedridden, whatever. But we've gotten to this, we've gotten to this thing where it's, you know, people think that it's church and it's not. Yeah, it, it, there are certain aspects that you can you can have online. You can get great teaching online. Mm-hmm. You can hear great music online, but you cannot participate in the fellowship of the church yep. online. It's not the same in the chat room. It's just not the same. No, you can't truly be engaged in corporate worship yes. online. Singing in your room is not the same. Communion, yes, you can receive. You can get bread and you can get the cup and you can do that at home while they do it at church. And I encourage people who are at home to do that. But it's not the same as being in the room and doing it at the same time. Yeah. And a lot of what the caller talked about with the corporate idea, that that that's going to feel even more. The more you stay at home to do that, the more church will feel corporate, and the less that w- the less it will feel family. Yeah. Like if you've got family, I we we had to do it during you know uh, during pandemic. We had to have Christmas and Thanksgiving where uh, some of our family members, our, our sons, were on the screen next to us because they work in. Uh, you know, jobs where they are constantly exposed to people and couldn't be with us. It was great that they could be on the screen. That was better than them not being not for, present yeah. at all. But it wasn't nearly as good as them being in the room. Yeah, being able to hold your grandkids. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and the reality of it is, is um, you know, without getting going down the doctrinal hole, uh, the deep theological hole, there there is a special grace that you cannot receive when you're not together with people. It's Agreed. just different. Yeah, It's just different. So we're going to talk a little bit more about this when we come back, and we're going to talk a bit about some more negative trends that uh, we've been seeing. We still want to hear from you. we got a little time to hear from you. Give us a call at 888-52-TALKS. That's 888-52-TALKS. Or give us an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. But we're going to be talking more about this, negative trends that we're seeing. What's the answer to these things, if there is one? we got a lot of stuff, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back as your Thursday edition of SoCal Live continues. Welcome back, everyone. It's been so good to be with you today. And uh, I want to thank you for having me with you and uh, allowing me to be with you for the last couple hours. It's been a treat for me. It's a privilege. And uh, we thank you so much for it. And uh, it's been great also being with my friend Carl Vaders. And uh, we're going to continue our talk today. Before we do that, I'm going to go to the phones real quick. Uh, Jerry, I'm Santa Maria. Jerry, are you there? Yes. Jerry, thanks, thanks for calling, for man. Appreciate, yeah, appreciate it. Tell us uh, what. Uh, tell us what you got. You know, I think part of the problem is the church's response to the pandemic for, the, for 
to a lot of people, has seemed very irresponsible. I mean, the church hasn't really stood for civic engagement. It hasn't stood for public health measures. It's gotten involved in all kinds of weird Tucker Carlson-type anti-vax conspiracies. Even though not all churches have done that, I think that's, on the whole, how people view our pastors, is having gotten involved in some weird anti-liberty thing and lack of civic responsibility. I mean, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. We haven't really been willing to pay attention to what the government is telling us is the wise thing to do. Yeah. Jerry, thank you so much for the call, Jerry and Santa Maria. Uh, Carl, answer that. Uh, I mean, it's a good take. Um, I understand what he's saying. I, I don't, you know, there's some parts I don't agree with that, but I mean, there's parts I do agree. Uh, yeah, there's, that's a, soft, there's a non-controversial softball to throw to me. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, I, I, anytime I, I, I hear what he's saying, and I agree that that has been the perception out there, um, that, but anytime we say the church has done, I'm always cautious. That's always a red yeah, flag yeah. to me because yes, there is a church that is the church of Jesus Christ, yeah. but there is aside from our absolute core beliefs, there's no specific behaviors, traditions, ideas, and, and so on that are universal to the church. So you can find churches and cause we, we Shelley and I travel enough that we are all over the place, all over the world and all over the country. And so you can go to the places in the country the, uh, the the New England, for instance, mm-hmm. where they are much more strict about their protocols. We were just in Spain, where they are severely strict mm. about their protocols in churches. So, yeah, there are places that are um, that have pushed back against uh, some of the mandates, and those are the ones that get the press because that's the stuff that kind of gets our blood boiling. But a church that is completely following the mandates, putting on all of the masks and encouraging people to do so, well, that's just not as exciting to talk about. It doesn't get people's blood boiling, so it doesn't get as much news. Yeah, yeah. So I do think we need to take things seriously. I think we need to be uh, responsible in what we're doing. But the idea that that the entire church or even a vast majority of the church is behaving in a way that we see in the headlines is seldom true. Yeah. And Jerry, great call. I mean, I love the take because yeah. there, there's, there, listen, that, it's almost, Jerry's take is almost a separate topic for another day, right? Which is this right. concept of this battle of how close do we, you know, tiptoe well, with the government stuff and, and what's church as well as, yeah, his, you know, his, all, his yeah. take was not inaccurate. Based Just too general. On, based on, yeah. Based on what we're seeing in the headlines, that is what has been. And he, he was very clear and uh, accurate to specify that he is talking about the take in the headlines and how we're perceived. Yeah. So he is accurate in that. So yeah. I was, I was, I was not contradicting. I was simply continuing yeah. that into that. There are other factors to consider. And sometimes, you know, I'm an, I understand my perspective is not most people's perspective because I travel all over the country and all over the world in small churches all over the place. So I get to see things that others don't. But yeah. let's bring that into the conversation. I'm not saying I've got the right answer. I'm saying let's add this to the conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, w- I want to dive into uh, what what the future may look like. You know, we talked about negative trends. You know, one of the trends that we didn't talk about that I think is a negative one, that whole reprioritization thing that really helped in the very beginning, all of us. I talked about my own, seemed to kind of just go by the wayside now. Okay. Not mm-hmm. that things are back to normal. They're, I even hate saying that, but... Uh, uh, so there's a lot of negative trends we could talk to, and, and maybe we can do that another day. But I want to talk about what the future may look like for the church. Um, and I have some ideas that I want to run by you, okay. uh, Carl. But before I do, I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, in your opinion, 
what could be coming our way over the next five to 10 years in the church? I think we got three things that are absolutely going to happen. A bunch of things I could guess at. But and you better things, not steal what I have. If you looked at my stuff, I'm not, oh, not going to have anything to talk about for 10 minutes. I know. Well, I'm just kidding. Oh, oh, trust me. You and I will never <laughs> run out of stuff to talk about. Uh, the two things I, three things I absolutely see are coming. First of all, more change. Um, that, that I can say without fear of contradiction. And that scares people. Yeah. The changes will continue to happen. They will continue to accelerate. They will get bigger and they will get faster. That is unquestionably. I'm convinced that bottom line, COVID didn't really change much. It simply accelerated and amplified changes that were already in place. That's good. So we're now seeing them when we didn't see them before. And now it's Mm. just amplified. So more changes coming. Secondly, I think we're going to, once this thing is actually gone. And as you mentioned from Kerry Newhoff's article, earlier and we can look back and say it is now in our rearview mirror this pandemic i think at even at that point we're going to have minimum two probably closer to five years of fallout and shake up from economics to relationships to families to churches every structure of our society is going to have to do cleanup mm. on the fallout that is going to be left behind right now you've got people who are frozen in position right now there are pastors who aren't going to who want to leave their church and aren't going to in the middle of a pandemic yeah. You've got husbands and wives who want to leave the marriage but aren't going to do so in the middle of it the pandemic. It has been super quiet, abnormally quiet on the church front, even in our own yep. denomination, Carl. Like you go, you, we're used to hearing things that are like, yep. this person moved here, this person resigned. Da, da. Dude, it has been quiet yep. over two years. Yep. It's and been what, weird. What, it, it, it's, it's Everywhere. Not, it, it's not going to be like sw- switching a light back on like it was switching it off when we went into pandemic. It's going to be like... Uh, going through physical therapy to try to get our muscles back again. But when we do, the amount of shakeup and fallout we're going to have is, is thing. So that's the second one. The third one is we've got a lot of broken relationships that we're going to have to work really hard on restoring, some of which will never be mended again, some of which will get back to a point of civility maybe, like even within families, mm. and some of which if they really work hard on it and are really moving forward – can can see even the damage that was caused during the season when we had different opinions about things that we now look back at and go, were we really arguing over that? Yeah, yeah. And some of them will get stronger, but there's going to be a lot of very purposeful work that's going to have to be done on rebuilding broken relationships. That's good. Well, one of the articles uh, Christianity Today put out, um, uh, this one by Melissa Morgan Kelly, uh, kind of goes back to the trend thing that Christians are going back to church, but maybe not the same one. Yep. After the pandemic, which is unique, right? So people stopped going to their church that they were at. Right. Maybe started watching online. And then what maybe started watching other churches online go, oh, I like that, which has some negative pieces to it, neg- right, it negative does. connotations to it. Uh, but I just thought that was interesting uh, that, yeah, some are going back to church, but many times they're not going to the same church. Yeah. Well, now that everybody's online, it's very easy to church. It's much easier to church shop than it used to be. It used to be you could check out one church a week. And now I can church out, check out a hundred in a couple hours. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and so it, it's going to be more consumer oriented. Yeah, I have so I many feelings that about that and most of them not good. Yeah, no, right? yeah. exactly. But, but on the other hand, if you are in a church and if you are a pastor you have to realize your front door is no longer the front door to your church. Your yeah. website is the front door to your church. Yeah, that's good. That's where they're going to check you out first. And I, it, it's also a thing if it's, you know, for pastors listening. Um, be be aware even of like inside jokes and so on. We've seen some things where some pastor has said a 30 second weird little story in the middle of a sermon. And now because it's online, it goes viral on Twitter or on Instagram or on Facebook. And now this guy looks like an idiot and he's not. He, yeah, had, a, yeah. he had a 30 second lapse, which normally everybody in the room who knows him would have gone, well, that's just him. That's okay. Let's make sure he doesn't do that again. Yeah. But now that's going to be like 
you know, first line on his yeah, tombstone. Because it's great, click, <laughs> it's great clickbait. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we really yeah. need to be careful what we're doing online yeah. as well. Here's some ones real quick. We don't have a lot of time. So we're going to have to exit. And we'll, yeah. I'll definitely, I'm going to have you back, Carl. We'll talk more about this. I, I think there's so much to unpack with regards to church and uh, trends that we're seeing, stuff like that. But uh, some of the thoughts that, I, that I've been having for a while now since this all started is, is um, the decline of the megachurch an increase of more smaller to medium-sized churches, even house churches. I think that's what I've, that's what I've been hearing. That's what I've been seeing. I see this. And, and I'm not saying that megachurches are going to be gone. I'm just saying right. I do see this this move. The generation that we have that's here and the one that's coming up, as well as everything that's been happening, there's this desire and need for people to feel and to experience God. And they don't necessarily care about all the bells and whistles, which is a, that's a positive thing. I think it's a, a good thing. Uh, the other one, and this is definitely one that we don't have time to talk about, and, and we'll have we'll have you back uh, in the near future to talk about this. I really believe that we'll begin to see increased persecution socially uh, for claiming Christ. We already are. And what I mean by that, there'll be it will be increasingly unpopular or perhaps even persecution that will include fines and jail time for certain doctrinal stances on high-profile issues, sexuality, homosexuality. I, I think one of the things that I've noticed, at least for me, is – the ramp up and and the speed in which things are changing in our world is at breakneck speed. Yep. And so when I say those things, it, a lot of people might go, "Come on, no, well, take a look at what your world was like in 2019." Oh, breakneck yeah. speed. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. we got things in, and and I don't want to talk about this, but I mean, we got things where you, you got different countries that are putting people in concentration camps. They don't get a vaccine, and that's another topic, of course. But like, who would have ever thought? We were looking at this stuff, going, "What in the world is going on?" Right. And, and so, you know, real quick on that. Well, the good news behind that is the church has always not just survived, but in fact thrived and grown deeper during times of conflict, persecution, and difficulty. We get. We, we, we get lazy when things are comfortable and we actually get less strong and less healthy during times of comfort. So true. We actually get leaner, meaner, and stronger during times of difficulty. Yeah. So I'm not looking for difficulty. I like all the comfort I can get. <laughs> yeah. But that, that is the other side of it is the church historically has always gotten stronger when times have gotten difficult. So if it comes, we will be ready. The church of Jesus Christ will stand. Jesus said, I will build my church, and he knows what he's doing. Absolutely, absolutely. I totally, totally agree with that 100%. I don't necessarily like it, but no. I know sometimes we need it. Yep. Uh, you know, what's the, the phrase that's going around right now? You can't get swole without being sore, right? Now you got to, right. you want to get big, you want to get strength, you want to get, you, you want to get muscles. It's, it's going to take some strength. Real quick, uh, 30 seconds. How can people get a hold of you? Uh, have you come and speak? Uh, get a hold of your uh, books, all that stuff. How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, go to carlvaders.com or with a name like Carl Vaders, as long as you spell my name right, you can find me anywhere <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere. And that's Vader's V-A-T-E-R-S. So all you right. Star Wars fans, it's not Vader like Lord Vader. Exactly. Carl, dot com, And you can get his books. Great books. Get a hold of them. Guys, it's been so great being with you. Thank you so much. I can't wait to be with you tomorrow. Thank you so much for allowing me to spend today with you. This is Ed Carlson signing off. Until next time. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.